Amen. So we're uh, studying from the book, The Amos Paradigm, by Dr. Tim Hill. We're in chapter 11 now, almost finished with our study of uh, the Amos 913 blessing, which we believe this is our time to receive of that blessing. And uh, we have testimony and evidence from people. God's confirmed it already uh, over and over many times for us in different ways. A blessing is a blessing because it's what you want. It's the receiver that can tell you if it's a blessing or not. Amen. Many times people will say, well, that's not a miracle. Honey, if you was the one that's receiving it, it's a miracle. You understand what I'm saying? So let's not get technical on my blessing. But uh, uh, this is a season of accelerated uh, growth, accelerated blessing. Amos 9.13 tells us that the plowman will overtake the reaper, which means that if you have the faith to believe it, uh, these things will happen before you sow the seed. Before you sow your seed, your uh, harvest will come up. And that's a real blessed place to abide in. I think it's, it's, it's not up to you to have the faith. It's up to God to grant it to you, and you receive it. Faith is not something you can manufacture. It's not something where you hear about something good and you want to get in on it, and you can just jump in. And I think people uh, who live by faith understand that. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit, and faith is part of the Spirit of God. It's always under God's control. And so, in in fact, all of the spiritual gifts and fruit are under the control of the Holy Spirit. He administers God's kingdom down here on earth. And so we, you know, it's like if you want something from God, you can't just confess it and confess it and confess it and it happens for you. Uh, You you don't get from God like that. Uh, You you receive from God uh, based upon your relationship with him. And your obedience in that relationship. And so I believe that if your heart is touched uh, with something and by something, God moves on your heart and puts the faith in there for certain things. And you work out that with God, how that's going to happen in your life. Nobody can stop you from being blessed but you. I'm going to say it again because people really get worked up about what other people say, what other people think, uh, other people are standing in their way, other people are keeping them back from uh, doing their ministry or doing this or doing that. Uh, you, you need to quit being a victim for once in your life. You're victorious in God. You know, we can believe that and hear it, but then when it comes to us, we're somehow this poor little pitiful victim that can't get a blessing because of somebody else. They don't think I deserve it. Well, you know, if God is for you, who are they to be against you? You know, they is nothing but a word. You understand? All of this that opposes you, cancer, is just a word. Now, it, it gets real if you believe it, but till you embrace it, it's just a word out there that's threatening you. You know, sinners have more faith than that. You know, I see sinners that say, well, I'm going to fight this. You know, they, they're keeping it away from them and not embracing it. And they have no grounds for that except their normal natural faith. We have a covenant that says it won't come near us. You got me? So you have, you have blood evidence that that cancer is not for you. I said you have blood evidence, living evidence that testifies that's not yours. It's just a word, like I said. <laughs> Peace of the Lord. Where was I? I was getting over on that road. Yeah, that's right. So you, nobody can stop your Amos 9:13 season. I'm going to say it again. Nobody can stop it but you. If you want to stop it with your unbelief, your lack of trust in God, your lack of faith in God, you know, help yourself, but I'm going to be believing with everything God got <clears throat> and borrowing something off of somebody else if I can <laughs> to get get my get my season rolling along, you know. For me, it started out with restoration. 
you know, uh, of my health and my uh, uh, emotional, uh, mental, um, uh, my soul and, and my body and, and those kinds of things, uh, was weary from living this life. And you don't think you get weary. You just, I don't speak about it. Now, I'm not crazy enough to go around moaning and carrying on. That wouldn't honor God. But I talked to God about these things. And I knew that God would have to do something to help me to get myself in a position to do go further in what he wanted me to do. Every person that's, that has to have some training, some kind of, of conditioning and training for the work that God calls us to. You know, you can't just keep running, 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 and, you know, you run out after a while. And, and that's not God. He doesn't abuse us as we walk through this life. You know, he gives more than he takes. He's not a taker. He's a giver. And when his kids are tired and they need to be restored, he knows it. And he will makes provision for it. Even if you don't know what you need, he knows. Amen. So he, he comes in in these different forms to us. Sometimes he's your coach, your trainer, your advocate, your standby. Sometimes he's your comforter, your helper, uh, you know, your healer, uh, the one, your companion, your friend who sticks closer than a brother. He fits all of these characteristics for us uh, because we need all of those aspects of God's care. So when you need to be cared for, God cares for you. He does that all the time. And so I believe if we'll submit to what God has for us at certain places in our lives, we'll run this race for a long time and run with patience and we'll complete what he gives us to do, all of that stuff. But you can't force these things. You can't take up faith and make it happen outside of God. These things happen in Christ. They happen in, in under, under God's supervision, provision, and care. Uh, he's wise in the way that he allows us to be able to receive from him um, and then administer over what he's given to us under his direction. Everything's under his, his care. You know, it's precious. He wants you to succeed. That's why he he's not what people call micromanaging. It's not about that. But it's about helping us to be successful and, and see because he knows there's one thing that will make us turn away, and that's if we get defeated every time we step out and try to do something. You know, he doesn't want that. So he, he lovingly guides us and leads us and guards over what is entrusted to us. Uh, God is, is very, very much concerned about stewardship. How do you handle what he gives you? The average person can easily think lack. We all think we don't have enough. Sila, I'll take a drink of water. Don't fight me on that because we do. That's always in our minds. It, it, you know, it's it's going to run out. It's not. And see, if we if we think about lack more than we think sufficiency, guess what will happen? We'll be trying our best to manage it correctly and mismanage it every time. I remember when we were children. My mother, when we would go out and be around people, you know, it's usually relatives or somebody like that, certain things you didn't say out loud so other people can hear. Uh, she didn't like us complaining. She didn't like us saying, I'm hungry. If it was getting close to dinner time or something like that, and you know how kids are, they just express. But we learned real quick, you didn't say anything. Why? It was an embarrassment to a parent you know, for a child to complain out loud like that. And then you don't know what the other adults will think about you. You know, kids always hungry, what they don't feed them over, you know. You understand what I'm saying? So you got pinched on your, remember that little part, little fat part on your little chubby arm. She pinched you on that little bit and you didn't do it anymore. 
because you were corrected in the way that you expressed your need. And so I found that that has helped me with my confession in life because there are several things I will never confess, and that's lack. I'll never confess lack. I'm going to use my faith to get more provision in, even if there is lack. I don't acknowledge it by honoring its presence. Huh? So if you if you expect sufficiency and then abundance. God will help you to be a better steward so that that will happen. See, most of y'all don't believe that because you're so accustomed to feeling, I don't have enough. I need more. (laughs) If you're a faith person, you can't afford to do that. We're just going to rest here for a little bit because, you know. See, your prayer should be, God, you are an all-sufficient God. Your grace is sufficient for all things. You have provided abundance for me. And I'm asking you to help me to learn how to make that real. That's all you want to do. You just want it to be real. You want to move, want it to move from the realm of promise to reality. But if you will speak God's language, he will help you. What is his language? His language is faith. He calls things that be not as... God, I thank you that I have abundance right now. See, you smart, you'll start talking on his level. See, that's covenant language. And it will cause you to think on his level. And then once you start thinking on his level as well as speaking on his level, then guess what? Faith will show up and make it real. But you can't fool him either. A covenant does not operate in deceit. You can't say it out of your mouth one minute and be cursing and mad the next. Faith works by love. So you got to love God and understand God. I don't know why I'm in this position or how I got here, but I know that you're going to get me out and your grace is sufficient for me. I'll be able to make it through this. You're going to provide for me. You're going to help me to understand your provision better. You're going to help me understand. See, it's not about stuff. I don't know how long we're going to be here, but we got to park here for a minute because it's coming up. See, this, this kingdom is not about stuff. It's about how you respond to stuff and lack of stuff. See, this kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what you're promised. You're promised righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you don't have what you want in the natural, you can retreat to the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost and live to fight another day and make the devil let it go. See, we got the wrong person in in the role of enemy. You got God in the role of enemy. Trying to pretend like you don't, but you do. Deep down where you live, you don't like him because he's not giving you what you want. Remember Mac would hold his breath and make you think he was passing out when he was a little baby? He wasn't but two and he's... Now, he wasn't going to pass out, but his mumma didn't know that. <laughs> so he working her for some of whatever he wanted. He just probably just liked the attention. Yeah, big old Mac, huh? Yeah, he had all kind of little baby shenanigans. Huh? The poor Gigi thought he was going to pass out. 
And I looked at him. I said, no, nah, he don't look like he. You know, I was a nurse. I had some nurses training or something at that point, And I know you can't hold your breath and kill yourself. That much I did know. I learned that in nursing school. So anyway, I was, yeah, right. Yep, yep. Come to. Come to, Mac. Come to. Earth to Mac. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's it's a <laughs> Yeah, you can hold your breath a long time. You see some of these deep sea divers, they can hold their breath five, seven, ten minutes almost. Your body adjusts to that. The deep sea diver. But anyway, <laughs> but, but that's usually where we're at sometimes when we we are not trusting God. We're ready to throw a tantrum because we just can't somehow get it on track or get it consistent or, you know, but it will get consistent if you get consistent. See? Now that one was free and most people didn't even catch it. See, now you're mad at me. As you've been trying to see you when you're at home, you puzzle your brain. What's wrong? I don't know what's wrong. Why I can't get it? I'm telling you what it is. See, you've got to be like a blind person. You've got to not see what's out here and just from your heart be consistent in serving God and your devotion to God and your love for God and for God's people and for doing things right. You can't want to get out of trouble so, so bad that you leave trust in God. Look at Job. You know, at least you ain't sick. You don't have boils. You can go to work every day. You can dress nice. You can get out and got all four legs or <laughs> two legs, two legs and two hands and arms working for you. So be thankful. See, that's where Thanksgiving comes in. And then learn how to be consistent and the rest will follow. It doesn't work any other way than that. Man, it doesn't work any other way. And what the enemy likes to do is keep us from going from starvation to plenty, starvation to plenty. Star- we never have an even keel somewhere. And see, when you're, when you're in a lack mentality, when you get abundance, you tend to squander it. So God's trying to teach you stewardship so that when you have, and most people don't have abundance, they just have a little bit more. Because that's what God does. He gives you a little bit more. But because of your lack mentality, you think it's everything in the world now all of a sudden. And you go and squander it all, and then you're right back in lack again. So what he wants us to do is to learn to be good stewards over what he entrusts to us. And as we prove our stewardship. See, for most people, that word prove our this insults us well i don't see why i gotta keep proving myself god knows what i'm oh yeah well we're gonna find out because you're gonna keep you're gonna keep going through the <laughs> huh you're gonna keep on the hurdle track you know what i'm saying until you show consistently and don't think twice about deviating be like Paul. He said, I learned whatever state I'm in there with to be content. He likes content children. He likes content people because content people tend to be productive people. If you're not content, you're not productive. Now, you can try to fool yourself if you want to. But if you're not content, you put halfway effort into things, you put halfway attention into things, you're just in there halfway. Because you're distracted by something if you're not content. It is the truth. So attitude, listen, the the reason the prodigal son left home was because he wasn't satisfied there. He thought there was something better out there for him. When all you got to do is stay in the father's house and realize, he see, he found out that was the best place for him. He didn't have to go that route, but thank God he found out. You got to learn how to be content first, and then God adds more to your contentment. Once you're content, natural possessions don't move you. 
what you have or what you lack, it doesn't matter because your life is in here. You live out of what's in here. You don't live out of what's out there. You could care what's out there. See, this is the problem. Lack has caused you to focus. You're almost building an altar to what you lack. And once you start worshiping at that thing, you're just fair game for the devil. You ruin your life. You make you upset, make you depressed, make you angry. And you'll find out. You look back and see, you know what? God blessed me. He gave me everything I ever asked for, and I didn't have the sense to enjoy it when I had it. I kept focusing on what I didn't have. And it wasn't even on your schedule to have it. You're mad at God for not giving you something he hasn't really promised to give you right now. See, we have what's called a due season clause in our covenant. Huh? You can't be disappointed if it has not been appointed to you yet. You've got to have an appointment before you can have a dis. Huh? You got no appointment for all that stuff. People, God's gonna give me this, and I'm gonna do that. Well, we'll see. Just keep believing, keep praying, keep helping yourself. Now, did that help you? See, I'm just here. <laughs> I'm the little handmaiden of the Lord, trying to be helpful. Yeah, Clem, I'm being helpful today. Got me. So, so we can we can we can endure hardship. Hardship really means there's something in your vision and in your sights that's not there yet, and it's a challenge to you to stay in the faith. See, that's what the hardship hardship isn't doing without it. You ain't never had it. That's for all you single people, all all my single ladies. Throw your hands up. You know. about getting along when it's only you to get along with you can do what you want to do when you have to please people (laughs) paradigm paralysis on page 94 see that was the intro (laughs) but it does go along with this His first statement is, before you can move into your future, your future must move into you. Your future must move into you. Whatever God has for you, if you could find that out first. Find that out first. Find out first what God has for you. Don't use the Bible like a, a, a an online shopping catalog. You feel me? You know, you scroll through the pictures and choose something you think you might like. Then you find out if they got it in your size, how quick can they get it here. Then when you get it at home, you look at it and say, this couldn't be what I would look so much better in the picture. Right. Or, you know, when you put it on, you say, ooh, I thought it was a small. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? It don't fit once it gets here when we do it that way because it's usually out of season, too expensive. When things are out of season, they're way expensive. You ever bought, like, uh, strawberries, strawberries? in the winter time, you know, you see, you see the price they went up like sky high this year. I didn't even look at them. I just blessed them when I say, thank you. I'm glad you're still alive. I won't be taking you home with me. This, you stay right there until you go down in price. And so they're, out of season things are very costly. And this is why God delays things for us. We think we want them and we think we can handle them, but they're extremely costly when you 
they're imported from a foreign place instead of coming through the kingdom. Ouch! (laughs) I like that myself. See, you don't want foreign goods. You want your stuff to come through God's hands, through his kingdom, his stamp of approval on it. That's what you want. You want the kingdom to come. Now you know what that means. What God has for you at this time, this season, that you can pay for with your faith or his faith. Got me? And so when God decides to release it into your life, he has several things in mind. Number one, that it's something in your heart, something your heart desires. Now, I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but we have a lot of single people here. If you, every time you see some of your buddies have to rush home and cook dinner, you say, ooh, I'm glad I don't have, oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. And you say you're praying for a husband, you're not. It's not in your heart. So you got to get your heart. All you got to do is say, God, something ain't right here. Because every time I hear something about this, it gets rejected from the inside of me, so you got to help me put it in there right. You're not the only person that listened to negative. <laughs> Don't go by me, okay? <laughs> no. But you know what I'm saying. We can all rag on our, our uh, relationship experiences too much. And then people <clears throat> hear if that's all they hear, and already they're kind of like broken on the inside or something. It won't get in there right. Just saying. You can say that about anything. You can say that about anything. Sometimes we, we live in families where certain jobs and careers are kind of impressed upon us. You know, this is important. Yeah, you got to do this. And, and we'll get up and start going through the motions, spend a lot of time, energy, and money uh, financing a career that we really don't want. When you could have gone down to McDonald's because you like that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Some people like that meat, greet, flip a burger, wrap it up on your way. When you run short of money, put in some extra hours, they always let you. Some people can stay at jobs like that for a long period of time and be very content. Thank God there are people like that, that like working Mickey D's. I mean, there's no, there's no... A uh, big thing and little thing to do here, folks. Get that out of your head. God wants you content. I don't care what you do. Let me keep going here. You got to let your future move into you first. What you desire must take residence in your heart first. You got to receive that from God, in other words. You receive it reading the Word. You know, so all of a sudden, some will leap off the page to you, and you're stuck with it. Easiest way to get it in you is to to look in the Word, not really looking for anything, but just communing with God. Once He gets your attention, He will will have you receive things on the inside of you. Receive them in your heart first. Heart. The desire you have for a brighter tomorrow must so motivate you today that your vision for a better life becomes activated by your willingness to adjust. If God could bless you in the condition you're in, you'd be blessed already. You are blessed at the level of your faith right now. Whatever you have right now is your level of capability of believing right now. God will add more to it As you continue to trust and believe in him. No matter what it looks like on the outside, you got to hold on to it. Everything that you get and want from God has got to be tested that way. Because he does not want to give to children who let go of it real easily. You got me? He wants to give to keepers. People who really desire things and appreciate them and understand that they came from the hand of God, all that kind of stuff, that's what he wants. He wants people who are like him. God don't throw you away. He doesn't want you to throw anything that he gives you away. Got me? 
He says, to be assured that time waits for no one and steadily marches to an unending cadence of change. So there are many changes. The thing that we, where God gets, gets, where we get off on the wrong foot is that we want it and we don't think about the condition we're in to receive it. Let me ask you this. If I told you... Oh, Miss Nola, I was looking on the Internet, and they've got these really nice slacks, and I know they're your kind. And, and you know, they, they've got them online, and, and I think these would be real good for you. You need to go on there now and get them. First thing you want to know is what? If you're, how much do they? That's what I'm talking about, girl. Hey, what's the cost? Oh, Jesus paid the price already. Mm-hmm. There's a spiritual price, and then there's a spiritual price to get it down to earth. He paid the price for your faith to get it, but there's a price you got to pay for your faith to get free, freed up from the entanglement of the lusts of your flesh that's craving for the same thing. Huh? Your spirit, your heart can desire something, but your flesh is it's ooh, when we get it, we're going to have a ball. Got me? So you've got to get disentangled from. <laughs> Remember when the children of Israel left Egypt, Pharaoh didn't think they'd get far. He said, oh, they've gotten entangled in the land. You've got to get your promise from being entangled. And your soul, your flesh, your emotions, huh? Everybody in, inside of you wants to get in on the party. Got me? It does. And your flesh will ruin everything that God gives you if he doesn't give you a safeguard against that. So he does it by putting it inside of you. And he begins to order your life. So that your faith can develop to a strong enough level to, number one, bring it forth. Number two, care for it. Number three, nurture it to maturity. It's like like a child. We talk about uh, babies having babies. Just because you're biologically old enough to bear doesn't mean that you're mentally, emotionally can care for a child. Once it gets here, once the, the excitement about having a baby, whatever that means to a person's head, after that's over, there's some little being here that's just cute as a button and you, you can't leave it alone. It won't let you. You got me? But you've got to care for that child as well. You understand what I'm saying? And so these things are true in the realm of the spirit. Everybody's going through uh, you in a birthing process. Yeah, uh, what? Hold on a minute because i got to take care of that birthing thing. Need diapers. That birthing thing need to be fed. That birthing thing need to, all of that stuff. You'll never hear about anybody going past birthing and conceiving. They always, but ain't nobody taking care of nothing out there. Moaning and travailing and birthing, they got all kind of babies out here they ain't been taken care of. Foster kids in the spirit. God is not going to, he's not a foster parent. He's a parent. He's a father. The inability of some people to see beyond current models of thinking and methods of doing have left them with paradigm paralysis. That means that you can't think beyond where you are. You can't expect beyond where you want things, but you can't see yourself obtaining them because you forget about it's going to cost you change. You're going to have to change. Now, let me tell you what Christians do a lot of times. We change long enough. This is where your mind, this is where your flesh has to, and this is where, why God puts it on a schedule. He knows the day your flesh is going to die to what's stopping you from being successful for him. He knows the day, date, time, and hour. So your stuff is on schedule for that particular day, date, time, and hour when your flesh finally gives up the fight to take over your life. And see, we don't realize that. We want to humble ourselves 
uh, you know, sow seed. We, we've got to sow a special big seed to get it in. Once it get in, your flesh start tying one on. <laughs> Likes to squander everything. Likes to enjoy itself a lot. You know, your flesh needs to the fruit of you got to yield to the fruit of self control on a regular. We don't even talk about that. In fact, we talk very little about the fruit of the spirit. I'm the only nut out here talking about living off fruit. We got all these vegan vegans out here, and but they don't want to live off the fruit of God's spirit. But see, we humble ourselves long enough to get it, and your flesh is saying all the time, yeah, get it in here, and then we can really enjoy ourselves. Some people have been in church all their lives and never learned how to enjoy themselves in the Spirit. Anyway, it's possible. I know it is. The inability of some people to see beyond current models of thinking and methods of doing have left them with paradigm paralysis. You can't get beyond your habits, your attitudes, your your things that you do consistently all the time. That's got to get broken up if you're going to go on with God. You know, we haven't had a church that we can have service in in Detroit in months. We never let anybody know. But I didn't, I thought, well, you know, we got out of the building where we had to share with people. It's going to get easy after this. Oh, no. You don't call the shots on God. I have no clue what he's doing, why he's doing it. I just know I got to look to him every day and obey him and keep going. And my life has been like that every day almost since I've known God. It's about keeping going, not knowing what's up ahead. But you got to keep going. People, if they had a ministry this size, would quit. I've seen people walk away from churches of 100 people because it wasn't big enough for them. Thank God I know what God told me to do, and I keep doing it. You understand what I'm saying? Like I said before, y'all get sick of coming, I will pray myself and preach to my mirror. Till it cracks. <laughs> he says here, recently I was thinking about some things made obsolete because of advanced technology. Public phones, cassette tapes, VCRs and VHS. And it wasn't that long ago those things were invented. Inventions, the intensity of the creative mind is increasing now. Roadmaps, operated assisted phone calls. Printed encyclopedias, printed dictionaries, everything printed now is now on micro. You can pick it up, camera film, electric typewriters, pages. The need to instruct a service station attendant to fill it up. The need to collect the tickets from a travel agent's office. This list and its accompanying memories brought a smile to my face as I wrote it down. A list of loss. Sadly, there are lists of more serious nature than many people are making today. Their list is, in, is created by those whose hearts are broken, their lives interrupted and put on hold. It's a list of loss so great that it beggars description. Life as they knew it doesn't exist any longer. People whom they loved are gone and relationships once cherished have vanished. For them, there are too many things they no longer have or do. But their desire for them never goes away. Given enough time, grace, and a legitimate coping strategy, a person is usually able to carry on with life. But the crippling effects of loss are not easy to recover from. Rose Kennedy is attributed with this statement. It has been said time heals all wounds. I do not agree. The wounds remain. In time, the mind Protecting its sanity covers them with scar tissue and the pain lessens, but it's never gone. Whatever the case, loss will force at least a few alterations. To sit through change without at least some adaptation is to ignore the reality of your circumstances and miss the opportunity for meaningful transformation. So loss and change change us. These things, situations change us. 
I've always found inspiration in the Bible story about Ruth and Naomi. And I've told it over and over through the years. Actually, Ruth is one of my favorite books in the Bible. My heart is moved when I read about the loss Naomi suffered after leaving her hometown of Bethlehem with her husband and two sons. She probably didn't want to leave, but submitted to her husband Elimelech's wishes to put the woes of the famine-stricken land behind them. Interestingly, the name Bethlehem means house of bread, but the meaning of a name and the reality of the circumstances were worlds apart. A paradigm of hunger and hopelessness marked that city, and Naomi's husband said, I'm leaving, you and the boys come with me. For ten years they journeyed through Moab, and during the span of time Elimelech died, leaving Naomi to care for their two sons alone. Within a decade the sons died also. And sometimes you die because your future is not in a place where you are. You understand what I'm saying? Um, these, are, these are Hebrew people. They are blessed wherever they go. There's evidence that Elimelech was a priest. You see what I'm saying? You walk away from your call in God. You walk away from what God's told you to do. And your life either does not go well. You understand what I'm saying? It's the dishonoring the parent curse. It won't go well with you, number one. Number two, if you keep letting it not go well, you die. You won't live long. See, not going well is a sign you need to get back in the will of God. See, that's your warning. When it's not going well, that's your warning. Your children, if it's not going well with them, rejoice, because that's God warning them. Say, God, get them back in your will. You understand what I'm saying? Get them where you want them to be so it will go well and live long. But these people were a family priesthood. And and Naomi eventually heard that there was bread in Bethlehem. And we don't know how long it was prosperous there. The other thing, if everybody leaves Bethlehem and don't work to recoup the blessing, they make it tougher for the ones who stay behind and try to get a blessing into that place. So they're deserters from the cause. Just a thought. And we got all kinds of people running around thinking they hear from God, and I'm going to start this ministry, that ministry. They'll walk away from a productive ministry that they were a part of, thinking it's time for them to have their own. Be careful of your thoughts about ownership. You came into this world how? And you're going out the same way. So you really don't, owning is really a delusion. You're doing good to possess it and be a good steward over it. You know, many people fail at that part of it. So Elimelech died, the two sons died, their future wasn't there either. You can see where the future was, it was back in Bethlehem. Because eventually Naomi winds up with the remnant that was still remained. Now, uh, Ruth marries. There we go. Who is the father of Obed? Who is the father of Jesse? Uh huh. Amen. Amen. And who is the father of? When you got all that running through your blood, you better get back where you belong. You understand me? You better get back where you belong. God had to reach out and get a Moabite. To have enough sense to realize that God was worth serving. I mean, don't ever be shocked at who God uses to do what. That's important for the kingdom. Don't ever be shocked. Because everybody's a contender. Now, he loves using his kids, but trust me, if ain't nobody looking like they want to do the right thing, he'll raise up somebody else that he can pull in and reveal himself to them, and they appreciate him, and get the job done. 
Ten years earlier, Naomi and her family attempted to flee the paradigm of famine only to enter another one, a paradigm of deprivation and bereavement. So you can escape one devil and run into a bigger devil. They thought the fear of starvation was hard. What about death? Following the funeral of her last son, Naomi received news that the famine in Bethlehem had ended. She received it then. Why? She was inclined to hear it. I mean, when she got to Bethlehem, things was hopping. I mean, the famine wasn't newly over. Them people were pretty well established. Boaz said he was a great man. He'd been rich probably for a lot of years. I mean, if you... <laughs> It's easy if you got wealth in your family to go and hire yourself. That's what Hebrews would do. Hire yourself out to a family member. I said hire yourself out. Everybody who's waiting on their big ministry need to hire themselves out to somebody already doing the thing. You understand what I'm saying? Just just go submit there. And, huh? Ruth did it. What she did... The husband that died could have not. Oh, but little thing called the five-letter word, P-R-I-D-E. What you don't humble yourself to, you'll never possess. Huh? I have to humble myself to this ministry. To you people who are part of the ministry, you are the ministry. I have to humble myself to you. Get up, you know, prepare sermon, preach, minister. i got to humble myself to you. People don't see that. Well, she got people driving her and all this kind of stuff. Just keep staying in the flesh and see if you don't miss everything. So Naomi, Ruth vowed that she would never leave Naomi and would embrace her people as well as her God. You do both. I said you do both. You don't embrace God without embracing his people. Now, you can't love God and hate people. That's old nonsense stuff. You can't love God and, and, and take advantage of his people. You've got to love both. In the right order. You love God first. See, this is why we fall out with people. We try to put people ahead of God. We don't get what we need from God to love people. You've got to have a lot of God in you to love people, folks. I know. I've tried it both ways. It's easier with what God puts in me to love people with. After a long journey, Naomi and Ruth entered Bethlehem and were met with the comments and stares of family and friends who had not seen Naomi in 10 years. They must have wondered about the beautiful young woman who had accompanied her and what role Ruth had played in Naomi's family. More than anything, they pondered what 10 years had done to Naomi. See, this is a humbling experience. Go back to the thing you rejected because it wasn't good enough for you and submit yourself to it. Uh, go back to the thing you rejected because it wasn't good enough for you and submit yourself to it. Well, and everybody said, because it's going to happen to you. I don't care who you are, where you think you're going in life, or what you think you, what kind of greatness, cuteness you have in you, whatever, whichever, whatever is your flavor, whatever you think you got working for you today. You can be too cute, too great, too smart, too intelligent, too educated, too this, too that. Whatever you got going, you're going to have to humble yourself and submit to the last thing you rejected that was right for you. And you walked away from it. You're going to have to go back there and get a do-over and humble yourself this time. Some people, before they even get to working in something, they've already promoted themselves beyond Well, this is too this is too simple for me. I got this already. Well, keep doing it and prove that you got it. It should be easy for you then. If you got it already, you you you'll have energy left when you go home to get up and do something else. 
Get two of these. If this, this one's so easy, get two of them and get two paychecks. You got me? But let's, let's just stay real, folks. You've got to humble yourself. If you, Brother Hagin used to tell people this all the time. He said, if you're not blessed, you get up and move. If you're not blessed where you are, you go back to the last place that you were blessed. And start all over again. Start off where you left off. Sometimes if you have to go back and do a do-over, your attitude's better. It can be better or worse. You take God in there with you, you get a do-over, and you, you can come out there quickly. But don't, don't let, let time be your friend, not your enemy. Don't be so hasty to move on. Wait for God to promote you. Wait to accomplish something first, and then let God promote you. So everybody's looking at Naomi, and she's got to humble herself, and she tells, oh, I don't, I'm bitter, I'm just, yeah, 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 oh, no good husband of mine, you see, he left, we was doing good, he got scared and went off and left, you know, blame it on him, whatever, he did, he can't defend himself, so, you know what I'm saying. Changed her name to Mara, which means bitter, amen, she even calling herself something different. I don't care what you call yourself. If God decides that you're in, you're on schedule for a blessing, you're in schedule for it. See, the the problem with the, her attitude is, is a number of problems. The main problem is this: if you are in a land of blessing, and your attitude is bitter and you feel cursed. You're not going to enjoy the blessing that's put before you. You got me? So we don't know how Naomi really responded to what God is doing for her. We know that she had enough wisdom, enough understanding of God to go through the motions of helping Ruth to be able to prosper in Bethlehem. And that's really what was in Ruth's heart. She she saw that their God was good. I don't know what she saw in that family. Whatever it was, it was a revelation from God because their circumstances weren't great. There was depression and death and, and men were dying all around them. No, uh, nobody to take care of anybody because in those days women just didn't roam around. Not anybody was worth anything. you folks that like Roman people when in Rome (laughs) you want people who are assigned to you you don't want date anybody sleep with anybody you don't want nobody like that you need to wonder why they chose you God, maybe I need to clean up my act. I'll attract better people. <laughs> see, your future needs to move into you before you can move into it. You've got to see yourself with a future, with a solid, decent, moral Christian. You, you got me? The whole package, and then add to that after that. Get the inside built first, and then you can be concerned about the outside. (laughs) The outside deteriorates with age anyway. (laughs) Oh, they don't like that. Okay. Oh, laugh at you. know, learn how to have some joy. Everybody, you take yourselves too seriously, folks. You'll never find what God has for you. You got to learn how to laugh at yourself first. Naomi thought she she was hurt, discouraged, full of grief. She thought she had left Moab and its hurtful years behind, but in reality she brought it with her to Bethlehem. You bring the same attitude. God can be changing your situation for good and you don't see it. And when, you, when God does something for you, you need to hold on, meditate on that. Don't put that, oh yeah, yeah, he blessed me with that, and then move on to something else. You ain't getting nothing else. Huh? Bethlehem had entered a new paradigm of prosperity. It was nothing like Naomi remembered. 
Markets were busy, food was abundant, everyone was happy, except, <clears throat> ooh, girl, don't you mean over Naomi's, oh, Lord, don't go over there, she a drag, girl. I'm going to get my nails done, I told her I'd take her with me, and she just rolled her eyes at me. Now, people, do you like that when they, they don't want to share in your joy and prosperity? They mad at you for, for, for believing God. That's all you did was believe. They had the same opportunity you did. <laughs> You're not supposed to have anything. You understand me? Do you get that out of your mind? Supposed to, supposed to. Your prayer should be, God grant me. The humility to stay where I can receive what you have for me and receive it with joy and gladness and rejoice in the right things. Her point of reference went back 10 years to when Elimelech led her away from Bethlehem. She was mentally stuck in the previous paradigm of famine. Only now its effect was compounded by the paradigm of loss she knew in Moab. See, when you pray a prayer and you ask God for things and he starts to open doors for you or show you, you know, he answers that prayer. The first step of it comes. It should be rejoicing in that you have it already from that point on. Let me tell you what people do. They look at that and they say, oh, yeah, God did this, 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 and this, and it's, you know, and then they go back to the mentality of it's not enough. When is it coming? You know it's coming because you see the seed of it. That answer, that first answer should be enough seed to make you rejoice every day until it gets here. You got me? That's what people who live by faith do. They rejoice every day. They don't rejoice in what they possess. They rejoice in who possesses them. You know, God is your portion. God is your joy. Things are not your portion and your joy. We always mistout this mentality. I can't wait until you will wait. You say you can't and you don't want to, but you will wait. Naomi's emotions were paralyzed and her hope was gone. He says, I trust I didn't describe you. <laughs> yeah, you did. You know you did. Perhaps everyone around you has moved on, but you can't seem to even take the smallest steps toward recovery. I've been there. I'm there in some areas right now. You got me? How many of you are there in some area a little bit, right? You see, it, it, this is a universal. This is not unique. We're not talking about disobedient Christians and anxious Christians. We're talking about this is the lot of the Christian person, period. Perhaps everyone around you has moved on, but you can't seem to even take the smallest steps. You dread that sermon the pastor brings every January, forgetting those things that are behind. You got me? You don't say anything about it, but secretly you're bothered by the cheerfulness of your neighbors and wonder, do they ever have a bad day? I learned years ago after experiencing a difficult disappointment that longing for what used to be cripples you from what is is and handicaps you from what is to come. You must refuse to be buried in a grave of longing. I can't say anything is ever as simple as just getting over it because you will hurt and you will cry. Only if you camp there. And I've I've learned, too, you don't have to camp in a place of grief. I remember I didn't expect my husband to die. I never expected to be a widow at at my age. I was only, what, 50 or whatever, none of y'all business. But anyway, it's too young to be there. You don't think about those. You don't plan for it. You can't plan for it. But I can remember God helping me to think past the pain where I was. Speak past the pain. Rejoice even in tears. I was able to leave it behind. 
And I believe you can get healed. I don't agree with Rose Kennedy. I think you can get healed. You know, you just do. You, you must. If Jesus, if his stripes are real, you, you will get healed. It cripples you and handicaps you from what is to come. You stay in a place of longing. Your mind and your emotions cannot stay in one place and your faith be in another. You've got to take the whole package with you. Faith is for the whole man, spirit, soul, mind, and body. Continuing to hear people call her by the name Naomi, she stopped, turned to them, and demanded they call her Mara because she was bitter. Life had dealt bitterly, but she's really mad at God. How Ruth saw anything good in this woman and that family, I don't know because there wasn't much. But little, at little, probably a little time, she saw a little something, and she saw it was greater than what she had, and she was willing to leave what she had as nothing behind. He says the name Mara means bitter, and it perfectly described her feelings. You can find it in her own words. The Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. You're blaming God. I don't care who you blame, just between me and you, uh, don't blame God. You know, cut your tongue out, take your brain out and sit it in a glass of cold water, whatever you do. But don't get into blaming God. He's your only friend. He's your only friend. Got me? How terribly sad someone's life could be so affected by such a negative paradigm that they would demand to be identified with it. You know what? I can't find anywhere in the book of Ruth that anyone referred to Naomi by that name. Them people was happy. They said, oh, Naomi, well, just don't invite her over because I'm going to tell you, unless you have a strong cup of coffee that morning. As far as her friends and neighbors were concerned, she was still good and pleasant. The citizens of Bethlehem had come through a severe famine and knew God had been faithful to them. Many times God will send you to an atmosphere that will be a medicine to you. Just keep walking with God. If you're bitter and you, you don't really, you, you ain't with it, you know what I'm saying? Everybody else seems to be so with it and you just, you know, they don't know my situation. We don't need to know. We know our own situation. That's really, that's enough on my plate. Now, we're in agreement with you for coming out and, and whatever it is God has for you, so forth and so on. But God will immerse you in an atmosphere of growth for your spirit. This is where many people miss it because they are looking for attention and emotional support. And God has you in an atmosphere where emotions are starved and your spirit is fed. That's what you need. You need your spirit to be revived and your spirit to be strengthened and fed. And many times when we're going through difficulty, we're looking for attention, for pity, for Somebody to understand us. You you listen, God knows what you need. He knows where you are. You ain't coming out until you do what he tells you to do. That's That's just the way it is. You can throw all the tantrums you want to. You can be as upset as you want to be. But you are not coming out until you get your spirit. Listen, if Job hadn't wind up, he'd be on that bed now. You got me? And that's the oldest book in the Bible. If he had not come out of his flesh and his emotions and began to let his spirit engage with God. If you don't understand what that means, you ask God to show you. God, how do I let my spirit engage with you so that I can get to the place you want me to be? And I'm not talking about do it one time and see what he's going to do and leave him alone. When your spirit is engaged with God... You, uh, you are with the Lord every day. You're, you're understanding what God wants. I need somebody on this side. Sorry, baby. Come on. Just pass these out. Your spirit is engaged with him regularly, every day. You thrive. He wants you to live like this. This is not just let me get with God and let him give me what, he, what I want, and then I get with him again later when it's all gone, because that's really what's going to happen. You have lack because he wants you to engage with him and stay there. Not run in and out and lack and blah, 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 blah. 
He doesn't want that. He wants for you to understand that companionship and fellowship are what you really need. Your, your physical condition is a symptom of what's going on in your spirit. If you lack in the naturals, because your spirit man is lacking in connection with God and trusting God and, and continually pulling from God the way he wants you to. This is how we live. It's in him we live and move and have our being. You don't have your being in things. How dare you insult God like that? Things perish. They're overpriced. We like them too much. We give up too much for things. Why would he want you to be stuck like that? He wants you free to serve him. And let him add things to your life. If you look at your lack, your life as lack, just look at it and say, you know what? God is adding. Because I'm with God and he's adding to me. He's adding things. I'm in the kingdom and he's adding things to me. I'm going to stay right here in the kingdom with him in righteousness, peace, and joy, and let him add things to me. Don't say he's going to. He is adding right now. Things are being added to my life. My life is not things, and he's letting me know it. He's letting me enjoy life with him so that things can be an add-on and not something I give my life for and give my paycheck for and give my soul for. And your firstborn and your secondborn and all that will get hopped up to the hilt just because of things that we desire. But if you can let him disconnect you long enough to get connected with him the right way, you'll see how he feels about you and things. Not withholding anything from you. He wants you to get in here and stay. He wants you to have longevity. He wants you to have true righteousness, true peace. He wants it to be real, not this fleeting, fictitious stuff. So he knows what he's doing. He's changing us from the inside out so that when the outside starts coming in, we won't be moved by it. If the outside is lack, we're not moved by that either. We don't live by that. But we live by what he provides for us through nourishment through his kingdom. Amen? All right, so we'll do our quiz, and then we'll be on our way. Amen.